Well, good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and you're always welcome here to this church whenever the doors are open. Like Aaron mentioned in the announcements, in the back of your pew, you will find a visitor's card. We'd ask that you take that visitor's card out, fill it out, and there's a box in the foyer. When you exit, you can place that card into, or you can pass that card to me or to one of our six shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church, because I truly believe it. I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen. Jarek, thank you for your song selection this first Sunday in the year of 2015. Really appreciate you and all the service that you do. Thankful to our Bible school teachers, our shepherds, our deacons, and our staff. They do so much work here to make this church special. We wanted to start the year off right by saying thank you to you. Today is an exciting day, isn't it? I mean, just think about it. God has blessed us to be able to see our first Sunday in the year of 2015. And I hope and pray, it's my prayer, that God uses you in magnificent ways this year. I hope and pray that you have a blessed and amazing year this year. But before we begin, I, I just really have to mention it. Aaron, Aaron also touched on it, but uh, we, we had a great turnout at the men's pancake breakfast Yesterday, me of little faith uh, showed up on a Saturday about eight o'clock and I said, okay, it's probably going to be me, Aaron, and a few others. But much to my surprise, we had about 20 men there. So we came to the building, we saw the pancakes, and we conquered the pancakes. We had... (laughs) We had a great time. So thankful to everyone who came out and to who helped out. And uh, they had me on KP duty. I had to wash some pots and pans. So we had a good time uh, yesterday fellowshipping. And I'm excited to see how God uses the men's ministry to carry out his purposes in the world over the next year. The ladies already have a wonderful women's ministry set up. And as a matter of fact, we've got a video to show you later on in the end of the service about a women's conference that all the ladies are encouraged to become a part of. But I tell you what, if you're not a part of one of those groups, we'd ask that you come and get plugged in. They're doing some amazing, amazing work. Well, let's, let's get into it this morning. During the month of January, we'll be starting a brand new sermon series. It's a four-week sermon series entitled New Year, New You. And no, I didn't get that from Oprah. I actually thought that one up myself. So you guys are like, yeah, right. Preacher down the street has the same title. But anyway, New Year, New You. I thought it was clever. Uh, And the goal of this sermon series is to help us flesh out how to accomplish our goals or our resolutions by tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I truly believe in order to accomplish the goals that you have set personally, maybe collectively at a church, you have to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit because you can't do it. By yourself. You need God to help you accomplish those goals. So, this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about that. And over the course of this month, we're really going to try to flesh this out how to accomplish these goals that we have set for 2015. So, today, in part one, really what I want to discuss is why it's important 
to set goals in faith. Why is it important to set goals in faith? Now, I know many of you are kind of like I am. At the end of December, you started writing out your list of all the things that you want to accomplish. On the top of the list is to lose that 10 pounds, that 5 pounds or whatever. Next to that is to give up the red vines. That's not you. Okay, that's me. You have a list of things that you want to give up or new habits that you want to have started in your life. As a church, we have been uh, asking ourselves the question, what does God want from us in 2015? We're putting lists together, and all of us have these lists that we can look at that we hope to accomplish over the year. One of the things that we want to do as a church is read through the entire Bible. And if you hadn't picked up your, uh, your Bible schedule chart, there's some out in the foyer there. You can pick that up. We pray that you'd read through the Bible this year with us. But we all have goals. And I'm going to tell you that trying to accomplish these goals can get very difficult, can't it? And what we need is to remain focused, and we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in order uh, to accomplish, accomplish these things. So... Whatever your goals are, to start working out or stop eating so much or to spend less and to save more or to be a better listener, whatever they are, you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you accomplish them. So I've got a couple of verses that I want to look at this morning, and the message will be yours. We've got a men's, uh, or not a men's, but a leadership meeting today after service that we want to get uh, you guys to come and be a part of. So if you're able to attend that, we'd be greatly appreciative. Let's go to our first slide. Why do we need to set personal goals is the question that I want to pose to you all this morning. Why do we need to set goals? Some would say that setting goals are kind of pointless. I mean, just live life how you want to. Just go on. God will work it out for you. Why, why set goals and why have a plan? Well, my answer to that question is because I believe that God has a plan. I know it's hard to read that slide. You guys bear with me. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 10 through 11 and 13 says this about God's plan. And this is his plan. Through scripture, we get to see a snapshot of what God's plan is. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. So that is God's plan. He wants everyone to be under the authority of Christ. There's other passages in Scripture where the Bible says God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everybody to repent and to become a part of the kingdom. So we get to see God's plan. So you know what that means? God wants every single neighbor in your neighborhood to become a Christian. God wants every single member of your family to become a Christian. God wants your co-workers to be a Christian. Yes, even the mean ones, those especially, right? God wants everyone under the lordship or the headship of Jesus Christ. That is his plan in the world. And many of us can say, well, that's a wonderful plan, God. Hope you can make that happen. But God says, no. It's up to you to help me accomplish this goal and plan in the world. And that's why he says this. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us from the beginning. 
So if you think about it, we have received an inheritance from the Lord. Now, what is an inheritance? Have you ever thought about that? Many of us can think back at Scripture and recall the story of the prodigal son. The son went up to the father and said, Father, give me my inheritance. And usually what an inheritance is, it's some form of money or support that is supposed to set the child or the family member up for the rest of their lives. They're not supposed to take that inheritance and throw it away or spend it up. They're supposed to use it in correct ways to further their livelihood. But yet we see the inheritance of the prodigal son and what he did with it. Did you not know that when Christ left the earth, he gave us an inheritance? And the question is, well, what is that inheritance? In verse number 13, the Lord explains it for us. And now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saved or saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised so long ago. So you see the inheritance we have received, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, why is that such good news? Because the gospel of Christ can help us live in this life and live this life to the fullest. You see, the gospel of Christ helps us when we encounter problems, when we encounter difficulties. The gospel of Christ gives us joy when we shouldn't have joy. The gospel of Christ gives us strength when we don't know how to be strong. The gospel of Christ gives us hope for the future. Everyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there were many people that had accepted the Lord through repentance and baptism, this world would be a much better place. It'd be a lot easier here in the flesh if everyone was a Christian. But the problem is, not everyone is. But we have received this inheritance, the good news of Jesus. And in addition to that, you know what we have, church, that the world doesn't have? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you this morning. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you this morning. And the question that I have for you is, have you tapped into the power that's inside of you? I hope you have. But if you haven't, we're going to try to help you out with this morning to figure out how to do that. So why do we need to set personal goals? Because God has set goals. He has a plan. Let's go to this next passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verses six or 16 and 17. This text is so powerful. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. This text is so powerful because it tells us that while we have time in the flesh, we should make every opportunity to be in alignment with God's plans and his purposes in the world. We should strive really hard to accomplish the personal goals that we have set that are in alignment with God's will. But oftentimes, that's hard to do. You see, I have a goal of losing 10 pounds. Yes, I do. I'll be transparent this morning. 10 pounds! That's what I want to lose. I want to get my summer abs back and get back into shape. But that can be hard sometimes because I'm supposed to start on Monday going back to the gym at the Y. But you see, Monday night football is on. So I've got a challenge ahead of me. So in order to help with that challenge, I've got to make sure I pray 
and ask Mary to record the game so I can go to the gym. But you see, I come up with all different kind of excuses on why I shouldn't. The game is better when it's live. TiVoing it is not the same. There's always Tuesday I can do the workout. So we often come up with excuses and make mistakes when it comes to accomplishing our plans or our goals. But this text tells us that while we have the opportunity, we ought to strive really hard to carry out the goals that we have set in God's purposes that he had planned long ago. Next passage. Why do we need to set personal goals? I love this text, and you guys know it very well. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 30. But before we even get there, I just want to speak to the condition of our previous passages If you notice, those passages were written uh, to the church in Ephesus. And if you think about the church in Ephesus, it was a very, very interesting church. The church in Ephesus was a brand new church plant, if you will. They heard the good news. Many people came to the Lord, were baptized, were added to the kingdom. You had this contingency of Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians. The Gentile Christians were so excited because they were eventually, they finally got to be accepted by God, right? So can you imagine being on the outskirts of the, of the club of the day? Could you imagine being on the outskirts and never being accepted? The Gentiles got to hear the gospel message and were eventually added to the church. And Paul said, you now have some work to do. That's not the end of it. But I know a lot of us, we think that way in our culture today. Once we're added to the church or the kingdom, we're good to go. We've been saved from our sins. Let's just come to church. Let's sing our songs. Let's, uh, let's hear the word. Let's give a little bit. Let's just make sure we come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and we're good. But Paul's message to this church in Ephesus is you better not forget the mission of why you're together. It's not just to come together and huddle. That's part of it but it's to carry out God's purposes in the world, and his plan is that everybody would be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose of the kingdom, and that's what Paul was writing to here in Ephesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 30. There's something interesting about plans, and I think this text will shed some light on it as we read it together. Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 through 30. As Jesus went on from there, Two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. What was happening? Jesus was traveling around the region, sharing the good news, healing people of illnesses and sicknesses. And these two blind men saw Jesus, and they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came in, and he asked them, And this is key. Underline this in your Bible, if you will. Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, underline this one too, according to your faith, it will be done. According to your faith, it will be done. According to your faith, it will be done. And their sight was restored. Like I said, I don't know what plans you have. I don't know what you're prepping for this year. But do you truly believe? Do you have enough faith that you can do it? Believing is half the battle. 
But if you believe that you're going to fall off the wagon and you're not going to be able to follow through on your plans, chances are you'll probably never get there. But also in this passage, these two blind men realized that they couldn't help their condition or their situation unless they had the Lord on their side. Now, I know culturally one of the biggest things that people like to give up during the first of the year is bad habits like smoking or drinking too much alcohol, eating in excess, all of that good stuff. In order to win those battles, number one, you have to believe that you can do it. And number two, you have to believe that Jesus will help you through it. So whatever you're facing, church, whatever you're going through, whatever you want to give up, whatever you want to start, you've got to believe that Jesus can help you through it, and you have to believe that you can get through it. you got to have faith. And if you can do that, guess what? You can accomplish the goals that you've set for your life. So this is so important. We've got to have personal goals, and you've got to have the Lord on your side. Next passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. The question I often ask is, what type of goals does God bless? What type of goals does God bless? Have you ever set a goal before and you just failed miserably at it? Have you ever done that before? And then you ask yourself, how come I keep failing? I keep trying to overcome and to shore up this situation and do better here, but I fail every single time. What's the problem? How come I can't accomplish these goals? Well, maybe one of the reasons why you're failing at that is because God is not blessing the goal that you're striving towards. Wait a minute, what do you mean by that, preacher? i got a classic example. When I was in high school, I went to a Christian school. We went to Greater Atlanta Christian School in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and one of the things that we used to do, I remember we had a season uh, where we were really, really good, right? And what we would do before our football games is we would pray for a victory, so that's what we would do. We'd get down on our knees, Lord, bless us with a victory today. And we started winning all the games. It was just amazing. So I'm thinking to myself, man, if we keep playing and praying, we're just going to go to the playoffs. We're going to win the state. We're going to do it all. So we got to the final game of the season. It was like the, the, the championship game. And I remember being down on my hands and knees, and I said, Lord, help me to score not one, not two, but three touchdowns and help us to win this game. I think we got beat that day by like 40 points. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I prayed to you. Did you not hear? I think I got benched that game too. Something, it was just crazy. I said, Lord, why didn't you help me with this goal? And then it dawned on me, really, did I want this victory? Did I want this for the Lord or was it for my, was it for myself? Was it to glorify me? So the question I have for you this morning, with all the goals that you're setting, are you setting them to glorify God or are they for yourself? You want to grow your business. You want to sell more product. You want to buy that house. You want to purchase that new car. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to get your summer abs. Why? Is it to be more healthy or is it to look good? Which one is it? Because if it's for the purpose of glorifying God, guess what? You'll accomplish those goals. He'll help you with them. But if they're for yourself, they're not going to work out for you. And why? Because you are a member of the Lord's church, a part of his kingdom. It has to be for him because if it's for you, it's not what he wants. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this. So whatever, whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That passage hits us right between the eyes. Whatever goals we're trying to accomplish, whatever we're trying to do, make sure it's for the glory of 
the Lord. And if it's not, you probably shouldn't do it in the first place. This passage is interesting. You've studied this before. It's really talking about Christian liberty. There were some people here in this context, some group of people thought that it was okay to eat meat, sacrifice the other idols. The other group thought it wasn't. There was this disagreement. And then the author says here, whatever you decide to do with your Christian liberty, make sure whatever you're doing is for the Lord. And that message is, it speaks loud to us today. Whatever you're doing with your time, your Christian liberty, make sure it's for the Lord. If it's for the Lord, he will bless it. That's what kind of goals he blesses. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. I'm almost done here this morning. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. So whatever you plan to do, make sure that you're staying away from the lifestyle of sin. You're your life, your, your ministry, your walk of faith should not be in darkness. You, didn't, you weren't saved to, to live in darkness. You were saved to live in light and to use your finances, your resources, your time, your skill set, your gifts, your abilities, your talents to live for the Lord and to live as lights in the world. So we've got to always remember that whatever we do, we've got to stay away from this lifestyle of sin and offer our lives to the Lord and then he'll bless us. And then lastly, then the message will be yours. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I really, really like this passage. So if you don't get anything I say this morning, just listen to this text, and I think you'll be blessed. And I've done my job this morning. The angel told me to give Zerubbabel, say that three times fast, this message from the Lord. You will succeed. And I think that's God's message for you all this morning as a church, you will succeed. Whatever your plans are, whatever your goals are, you will succeed. Why? Not by military might or by your own strength, but by how? By my spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you that will help you succeed. And that's why in Romans chapter 6, the previous passage that we just read, Don't involve your life into a lifestyle of sin because what you do is you quench the Spirit's fire, you put out the flame inside of you, and you can't accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish. It's not by your own strength, but by my Spirit. And then verse number 7, don't you just love this? Obstacles as great as mountains will do what? Disappear before you. My goodness, isn't that a lovely verse? Obstacles as great as mountains will disappear before you. Why? Because you're setting godly goals. Your goals are set to glorify him and to be a part of his purposes. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're living a lifestyle of prayer. And whatever you're struggling through or struggling with, those obstacles will be gone. Because God will move them out of the way and you'll be victorious of what you've set out to do. So this morning, we've got a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here that has set some goals last year in 2014 and didn't accomplish their goals and they're down on their luck and they're looking at 2015 and saying, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Come forward. The church will pray with you. We'll pray for you. God's Spirit will help you. Those obstacles in your way will be gone. 
and you'll be on fire for the Lord. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. You know what God's plan is for your life, that you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's why you're here this morning. You're here to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Someone says, you know, someone might say, well, well how do you do that? Well, the process that we talk about in our fellowship is you've got to hear the word. Romans 10, 17. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You heard about Jesus. You know he came to save you from your sins. Do you believe in him? Our verse that we read this morning, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? If you do, what's stopping you? You've got to repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You've got to confess him as Lord and Savior, and you've got to be baptized. And the question I have for you this morning is, have you undergone that process? Have you taken those steps? If not, this invitation is for you. You'll come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. We'll baptize you today in water. You can be added to the church. You'll fall under the lordship of Jesus Christ and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And whatever plans you've set for 2015, you'll hit home runs with them because you've got the Lord working on your side in and through you. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand?